I'm Mike Vardy. Starting an online business or expanding your physical storefront online has never been easier thanks to Shopify. This global commerce platform supports you at every stage of your business journey. From launching your online shop to managing a million orders, Shopify is there to simplify and accelerate your growth. It's not just about selling products. Shopify helps you manage every aspect of your business with their all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system. But that's not all. Shopify helps you convert visitors into customers with the best converting checkout process on the internet, which performs up to 36% better than other platforms. And now a special offer for my listeners. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash timecrafting, all lowercase. Whether you're just starting out or looking to scale up, Shopify is the perfect partner for your business. Are you a small business owner struggling to find the right talent for your team? I've been there and I know how challenging it can be. That's why I recommend LinkedIn Jobs. It's not just any job board. It's a community where you can find professionals who are the perfect fit for your business, many of whom aren't checking other job sites. In fact, 70% of LinkedIn users aren't visiting other leading job sites, making LinkedIn your best bet for finding top talent. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can post your job and reach qualified candidates quickly. 86% of small businesses find a qualified candidate within 24 hours. And now you can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash conversation. That's right, for free. Don't miss out on finding top talent. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash conversation today. Terms and conditions apply. Managing passwords can be a real headache, right? Think about it. Every website requires a new password. Each one needs to be unique, secure, and somehow memorable. But there's a better way. Welcome to the world of 1Password, where your entire company can generate strong, unique passwords, store them securely, and access them across any device without ever needing a reset. Imagine never having to click Forgot Password again. With 1Password's award-winning design, managing passwords becomes a breeze for you and your entire team. It's trusted by millions, including top companies like IBM and Slack. Here's the best part. My listeners can try 1Password for free for two weeks. Right now, get your free trial at onepassword.com slash ProductiveConvo. Secure your passwords and simplify your online security with 1Password. Meal planning is important because it prevents us from being a disappointed wreck when dinner time comes around and we have no clue what to make or even if we have the ingredients to make the meal. It's a time and a money saver, but most importantly, it frees up valuable brain space. Creating a meal plan prepares us for the week to come and gives us peace of mind that we're organized and can feed ourselves and our family. That's why I do it and that's why Plan to Eat helps me do it. Your subscription includes access to the Plan to Eat website and fully featured mobile apps on iOS and Android. And Plan to Eat gives you the tools to clip and organize recipes from any website, the ones your family loves and that fit your dietary preferences and needs. And you can create a meal plan around your schedule. Then what happens is the Plan to Eat software automatically creates an organized shopping list based on your plan. So sign up for your free trial at plantoeat.com slash timecrafting. That's plantoeat.com forward slash timecrafting. The coupon will be automatically applied to your account and can be used when you're ready to subscribe. It's valid for new customers only. Give Plan to Eat a try today. And this is the Productivityist Podcast. Welcome to the Productivityist Podcast. I am your host, 
Mike Vardy. And this week on the show, my friend Steve Dotto joins me. We talk about tech tools. We talk about his journey from broadcast television to what he's doing now and all of the things he came across along the way. We talk about what his broadcast television persona would have done with the internet and what he he has available today and how he might have done things differently. We just dive deep into the weeds. We even talk a little bit about productivity. Actually, we talk about quite a bit. But uh, let's just dive into it. I want you to get the entire nuts and bolts of this conversation. So no more for me. Now you're just going to hear from both of us. This is my discussion with my friend Steve Dotto of Dotto Tech on the Productivityist Podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to the Productivityist Podcast. I am your host, Mike Vardy, and with me this week... How, I should have started with it. How are you on this fine day is how I should have started. my. How the my... heck are you doing this fine day? There you me? go. <laughs> I'm ready to roll. Steve Dotto has joined me uh, on this week's episode of the podcast. Thanks for joining me, Steve. Hi, Mike. It's a pleasure. Normally, you're like driving when we do things together. Like it's normally, uh, you know, you're the, you're the driver and I'm kind of like the person that's spewing off information, both valid and invalid. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's and I'm not and I'm I'm not going to be judging you through the whole podcast, Mike. So don't worry about that. Oh yeah, right. Because you've 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 got this thing down to a science at this point. <laughs> so um, let's let's dive into. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about how we how we initially met because um, and okay. and the, in the history that we kind of had because uh, just to give some people some context. So um, Steve was it was back when I was you know watching you know television before any of this stuff was going on. Steve was. On TV, like that's where I knew Steve Dotto from. Uh, and one day I was checking out LinkedIn, and I got a message from Steve Dotto, and I'm like, "What the? What in the? Why is Steve Dotto reaching out to me?" It was a bit of a. a, a I'll tell you this now publicly. Uh, it was a bit of a starstruck thing. I'm like, "Oh wow, Steve Dotto wants to talk to me. I wonder what this is all about." Yeah, and, you should have been. <laughs> and and so I emailed you back, and I don't. Re- uh, LinkedIn's one of those places where you know. You don't check it as often as you probably should. A lot of people are like that, where it's like, you know, oh, I got a LinkedIn message. Let me see what that is. Uh, but this one I jumped all over. And that was the beginning of us really starting to fashion a friendship. You know, I mean, you, Absolutely. you know, yeah. um, you you were at that point, you were really starting to dive into what you're doing now, at least the beginnings of it. Right. Transition. Well, I was transitioning from uh, traditional broadcast from the television, which I'd stopped doing just shortly before, into trying to figure out what kind of what the next phase of life was. So, uh, and I was looking at uh, you know doing live events and a bunch of different options. And uh, one of the things that I was thinking about doing was starting to do some writing and blogging, and I'd never done that before. And I think you were the editor. The reason I reached out to you is you were editing at Lifehacker. Yeah, li- right. at Lifehack. Yeah, Lifehack. Yeah. Uh, I, see, I never. That's why I you're, you're like he, he must be Lifehacker, and it's like. No, life hack, but <laughs> but so 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 that, that's I think that's where it started was yeah. I wanted to start doing a, you know and started to build I wanted to start building my online presence because I was really just known in Canada at that point but I was just starting to starting to get into the online world and trying to reinvent myself and try and figure out what I was going to be doing you know in this next stage of life. So fast forward to where we are now. You've you've transitioned within the transition too and in, in some manner of respect too yeah. you know i mean you've done where where did you start like when you started this i mean because a lot of people that, that that listen to the podcast are they're they're in the middle of trying to say okay this phase of my life is over or i want to make a change you, oh you, you yeah you actively sought that out and then within the change you made another change right yeah. So, well, it's, uh, you know, I don't I'm, I'm being reductive on that. I'm being a bit reductive when I say that no, too. Well, 
when I st- backstory is for 20 years I was in traditional broadcast in Canada, and we had had a successful part of that was 15 years run of the TV show which you used to watch uh, called Dotto Tech, and it was a syndicated show nationally. So we were quite successful in a good long running business here in Canada. Uh, so Ego kind of steps up and says, okay, it's time to stop doing television because the writing was on the wall and the and the Canadian network and television space just became harder and harder to make a good living at. And so I thought, okay, well I'll just you know I'll reinvent myself. And I didn't have a plan. I didn't have an exit strategy. But I thought because I was smart enough to have kept this venture going for 15 years in a difficult and competitive situation, I must be smart enough to figure out the next phase without any trouble whatsoever. And, and you were known. Course, to, and you were known too. Wrong. But you Sorry. were no, you were known too. Like you know, were yeah. you, did, did you have that? Was that in mind? You're like, okay, well, I, I'm a known entity, so this this might not be as challenging as as it might be for somebody else. Because a lot of people would 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 assume, okay, you're known, so moving into that next phase might not present as many challenges as it may have. Yes, that that was part of it and that was probably a trap to mm, be honest. Yeah. Because I thought okay, well now if I, who you know, kind of a household name here in Canada start doing live events say teaching productivity tools or something or you know this sort of stuff, uh, people will flock and be happy to part with their money and give it to me. And that's, you know, in the early stages, I started to try and do live trainings and events and teach people how to overcome email overload because I was all about the tools. I was always all about the tools. And I was just, uh, I thought I could do these kind of trainings and I was dead wrong. You know, I just didn't have the organizational skills to put together these these uh, these live events. Plus, they're very difficult to turn into a, a profitable situation. I didn't have a mail list. I didn't know how to reach people. I was really at the beginning. And then... I was very lucky that I was speaking at actually where you where uh, in your hometown there in Victoria at social media camp, mm-hmm. and I met a bit of an online legend, Mari Smith, who was also speaking at that conference. Now Mari is one of the Facebook queens, but she is a, an online marketer, community builder, uh, you know, um, Facebook expert, and she saw what I did. Uh, I was emceeing an event that she was at, and she saw my presence, and then she watched some of my videos of my TV show from back in the day, and she says. And she's a Scottish woman. She goes, you're doing everything wrong. (laughs) She's also very tall. I said, well, yeah, I know I'm doing it wrong. She says, I'll show you. And she actually, bless her soul, she took me kind of inside of her venture as she was about to do a product launch, a, a an information product launch. She was about to start selling a new course. So she was just in this phase where she was about to do, she'd built most of the content, and she was about to uh, do the webinars that were the sales funnel for that course. And this was an epiphany for me. I had never seen anything like this before. I didn't know anything about landing pages or websites. I mean, I knew a little bit about websites, but not how, not how you opt people in and what the importance of a mail list was. And it was all new to me. And that, this is just five years ago. And so at that point there, she, you know, having come inside, I said, okay, I have to reinvent myself. This is the way to do it is I have to find my community online and find my voice and find what they want to follow me on and hope that I can figure out how to kind of make money from that. And so that was the beginning of a, about a three year journey of building a brand, listening to my community and then figuring out where revenue could come from, from that. And it was a difficult time. I mean, it was, it was exciting. And it was like back in the early days of trying to get the TV show on air because we were inventing our own, you know, our own, our own business. So I was building a business from scratch, but it was also a bit nerve wracking because I was, you know, I was, I was at 50 years old trying to reinvent myself. And that was very difficult. So when you started out, one of the things that we were doing, like you said, were those live events. You were diving into productivity initially. And and I want to talk a bit about that because um, 
it, it you were you were entering a crowded space in a lot of yes. ways, right? Yeah. Um, how did that going through that? Because you do you still talk about productivity, you still do a lot of digital tools, yeah. but not as much as you did before. How was that like a bit of a proving ground for you? And a bit of a like was it was it almost like a litmus test to try to figure out where 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 you wanted to take things, or just to figure out what what would work and what wouldn't? Like was that kind of the way you look at it yeah. now? Well, you know, it was it was it was a space as I was producing my videos. Uh, so so the bit the the business model that I put together was I said I'm going to use YouTube the way that Mari Smith uses Facebook, right? And I'm going to grow a community on YouTube because video I'm good at. And I started playing with format of video and recording screencasts and doing the sort of things I'd done in TV. Now my content and energy on air presence was always good, and then figuring out tools that could you know I could replicate what we did in the TV studio with screencasting using a green screen kind of coming up with my own format that was kind of fun and i it, it gave me the ability to start to create the content once i started making content decisions i just listened to what my community was was uh was following and the one sm- the smartest move i made was right from the very beginning i said i'm going to treat youtube as a social network even though it's a pretty poor social network and i'm going to enter youtube comments every day and I'm going to look at what people are saying. I'm going to respond to everyone. I'm going to listen to them. Now, that was just as Google was rolling U- uh, Google Plus into YouTube comments. So right. comments were being cleaned up. Uh, but what it did is it gave me a dialogue with my community. And this was my second epiphany was I all of a sudden for the first time in 20 years of doing public uh, a form of broadcast, I was having my I was having a conversation with the people who watched my content not with my sponsors and the network hacks. So my the people who I was actually watched my show were the people who I could make money from and they were the ones who I could have a dialogue with. And if I could listen to them, I felt like they would lead me to the water. They would lead me to the, you know, to, to, to success. And that's exactly what happened is as I released different videos on different topics, every time I released a Nevernote video, the viewership went way up. And that was the first key um, uh, term, Evernote, that I started to rank in search on. And when I started to rank in search, in YouTube search, which is the second biggest search engine in the world, all of a sudden my viewership numbers and my and my subscription numbers on YouTube started to really accelerate because people were interested in what I had to say about Evernote. There was a big market out there to, to learn about Evernote and my style worked. So that was what led me to my first successful online course, which was is still selling now called Evernote Made Easy. And that was the beginning of success. Now, I like productivity, but I really loved the learning of the new business and the social mm-hmm. media and figuring out the video. So I decided myself that I was always going to start to comment and chronicle my journey and my understanding of what was happening as far as learning to sell into this new space and building this new space. And so that's so that's that's where the that's where the duality of the Dotto Tech brand is. I still do a lot of productivity stuff. Uh, but the productivity stuff is uh, more so I can prove that I know what I'm doing in the marketplace and where I make most of my money now is by teaching people how to build their brand in YouTube, how to do the type of video that we do and how to build a social presence in a community online and turn that into a business. I want to talk about your learning and how you, you know, you, you learn, you've learned a lot uh, yeah. since, since jumping into this fray. How do you set you and I've had this conversation. We actually had this conversation on a ferry ride where you were, you're, you give me the gears about certain things that I should be doing. And, and, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've 
cr- I p- took note of it and have added it to my training days, which are <laughs> Thursdays. Um, and and the th- so how do you uh, you know you're you're going through this tra- you, you've gone through this transition and even you're still always learning like that. that I mean yeah. the, the, you're always especially because you're you're trying you're you're an authority figure in in the in in, in technology and in, in the space that you're dwelling in. How do you set aside time to just dive deep into learning either a tool or a tactic so that you can not only apply it yourself, but then maybe figure out the nuances and stuff that might help other people, not just yourself? You know, I, I don't think I'm the same type of learner as others. I think we all learn in our own ways. And I'm, and I'm kind of jealous of the people who learn by reading and, and you know, or have your discipline of, you know, I'm going to I'm going to have this day for skills improvement. Necessity is the mother of invention for me. And the tools are I find the tools to be all fairly self-evident as mm-hmm. you start to work with them. So I look at the tools on a very tertiary kind of a superficial basis saying this is what they do and to kind of keep up to speed. But where it really comes is I typically do project-based work is I say, okay, I need to now set up, you know, a, uh, I need to, you know, set up a CRM for my own business. So now I'm going to go look at all the CRMs, decide what they are and not hire somebody to install it, but do it myself and do the hard work to learn how to do it and implement it. And then because what comes out of that is a narrative that allows me to share. These are the things that I assumed going in. This is what I learned. And this is what I, you know, this is what happened when I installed it. And these were the challenges that I faced. And it, it just kind of brings it down to an everyman thing. You know, I mean, one of my favorite shows of all time was, was Mike Rose, Dirty Jobs, right? Where he just said, this has to be done and I'm going to go figure out how they do it. And so that's really pretty much my learning style is, is, I, is I dive in. But I also now recognize the value of just reaching out to colleagues and, you know, and seeing, you know, uh, looking at my, my needs through the lens of their experience. Right. You know, and that's where, you know, you and I do an awful lot of stuff. We talk Uh about tools all of the time. And just because a tool doesn't work for me or doesn't work for you, doesn't mean it's a bad tool or a great tool. And usually if it works for me and it doesn't work for you, it's a great tool, but, but, (laughs) but it's, but, but, but just that constant dialogue and that, I guess constant curiosity, but for me, it's got to be project based. I can't learn something if I don't have a reason to learn it. Right. Yeah. You, you want to have an outcome. You have to have yeah. an outcome. Yeah. Other, yeah. Otherwise, yeah. it does. Now, how do you decide when to? Because there's so many things that you can learn. How do you? I mean, obviously, you've got an outcome in mind, but there are so many ways to reach that outcome. Do mm-hmm. you? Do you eventually say? Because curiosity is part of the equation. Like you said, where do you find? Where do you kind of? Do you catch yourself? At any point, going okay, curiosity is getting the better of me, or do you? Yeah. Okay, so you do. And sure, how do you I go how down do you rabbit do? holes all yeah. the time? And typically speaking, the, the unsuccessful rabbit holes I go down are the ones that are my own invention. The successful rabbit holes I go down come out of a question from a from my community. If I see three or four questions where they're all trying to figure out, you know, now I mean, if I if if I could come up with a successor to sunrise calendar, you know, that we really liked, you know, I'd have a video and I would have a, you know, be, you know, something that would be wildly successful online. And of course I got, I got an email recently about someone who's building a successor to sunrise. I'm sure you, (laughs) I'm sure you might've gotten it as well, but I definitely got one. I should, I'll share it with you later. We have today. So people are all saying, what are you doing, Steve? And I go, unfortunately, I just use Google calendar now. It's so disappointing. But the bottom line is that if I'm getting questions from my community, that is going to always be the the bellwether that tells me that that's a direction that I should be doing. It was just like OneNote. I just recently did a video on OneNote, and it came out of 
so many people complaining about Evernote changing their pricing. Right. And when I released that video on OneNote, it's one of the ones that, for me, you know, if I get a video that gets, you know, a typical video for me will see a thousand views in 24 hours, a good video, 2000, a really hot video, 4000 in the first, you know, 24 hours that it's out of the first 48 hours. Well, this video was getting uh, like 2000 views a day for the first 15 days that it was out. It was just boom. And it was a long video. It was a 30 minute video. So as a YouTube content creator, there's so much good to that because I'm getting lots of minutes. I'm getting, I'm ranking really, you know, now if you search Evernote versus OneNote, I've I don't know where I am, but I'm, you know, we're up there in the very, and that's a, a, a very common search term. So it's just done gangbusters. But that came out of everybody being so frustrated with what I thought was a great idea. I, I love the fact that Evernote changed their pricing and made it more, made it so that they could make money because I want Evernote to be around. Right. But, but people, but uh, but the community says, no, we want an option. We want to, we want to know what happens if we go to OneNote. So I did a video on it. And, uh, you know, it's it, when, when they when they ask for it and you give it to them, good things happen. How do you keep yourself from getting overwhelmed? Because you have a lot of irons in the fire uh, yeah. and you've got a family and you've got, you know, I mean, and, and, you know, I mean, you have speaking engagements, which I definitely want to get into. How do you keep yourself from like getting, like you said, too deep in the weeds and then all of a sudden or committing to too many things and then saying, uh oh, now, now what do I do? I guess I prioritize and and I'm willing to disappoint people to a certain extent. <laughs> I know that's a terrible <laughs> thing to say. But at the end of the day, you know, somebody, you know, people write me all the time that they want a video on XYZ product. And I, mm-hmm. they want, you know, they oh, I know what they want me to do. They want me to do more on CRMs. Right. And I'm telling them, no, I'm not doing any more videos on CRMs because I use Infusionsoft now. And for me to do a proper video on Entreport or, you know, ConvertKit or any of these other great tools, I'd have to learn it. And I'm not about to change. And you'll probably find some some things. The the danger, and I fall prey to this too. A lot of people, a lot of my listeners, is they they use a new tool or they've got a tool that works perfectly fine for them. They love it. They they know it inside and out. And then they find another tool. Let's say a to do list app in in our case. And they're like, oh, but this has got this cool little neat thing that One nobody thing. else yeah. has. And then yeah. all of a sudden, you you feel like that pull of that, and that's hard and to that's- ignore. That's fine when you're getting into yeah. something. Yeah. But I, I, one of the things I said about when I chose my CRM, when I chose Infusionsoft at the end, is I did a video on why I chose Infusionsoft. Yep. And I don't think Infusionsoft is the best. I don't recommend Infusionsoft to anyone. I recommend that you definitely watch my video. I know that the tool works, but I don't know if it's better than any of the others, and I don't know if it's worse than any of the others. At the end of the day, once you make a decision on a tool like that, on an Infusionsoft, on a Slack, on any of these core products that are going to be right at the heart of your business, it becomes your responsibility to make that tool work, not their responsibility. You have to find the 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 the, the, the idiosyncrasies of that product. You have to make it work within your system. You have to learn it intimately. It's your job. And that uh, Infusionsoft has been fantastic for me because I made Infusionsoft fantastic right, for me. Right, right. It, it's it's kind of like the idea of you know, when you when you buy uh, like a car, you you decide you're going to buy this car. You've done your research. You've bought this car. Once you've got, you got to make that car work for you. You can't buy you know Jaguar parts to fit in a BMW. Like you can't yeah, like you have to maintain it. Yeah, yeah. You have to be, you have to be willing to do that. And and the problem is is that so many of these tools are disposable nowadays. Or there's and there's so much information. How do you how do you um 
how do you keep your input management at a level where you can kind of stave off that overwhelm? Because you're probably, like you said, you're getting a lot of requests for different videos that people want you to do. You're probably mm-hmm. getting a lot of requests to appear at different places. You get yeah. a lot of just general engagement. I know that you do these cool things on Facebook where you say, hey, here's my comment of the week. And you kind of yeah. hit, you hit up back on the trolls. Like, how do you keep yourself from being overwhelmed by all of the inputs that keep coming at you? I, I, well, one is I, is I say no to a lot of things. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, and, and it's, and when I, when I, when we started on this, I, I, having your priorities. So one of the things that I learned, I think is the most important thing that people in your, my business can do is we have to be constantly building our community. Mm-hmm. It, well, first of all, let me, let me set frames of reference too. I don't want to be huge anymore. No, I don't want an enterprise where there's 15 people or 20 people. I don't want to be Tony Robbins or, you know, any of these huge uh, online presences. That's not me. I couldn't care less to be that anymore. I want to make I'm more concerned about margin, return on investment for my time and figuring out a good passive income stream than I am. I don't want to manage people. So consequently, what I focus on is all at the end of the day, not necessarily related to growth the way that you might traditionally think, but related to revenue. Right. So I, I hate to be so shallow, but at the end of the day, that's what I want to focus on. So I know that revenue comes directly out of how many people I have that have discovered me with my real voice, you know, the, the sort of things I talk about in the productivity, the screencasting, online video, streaming video, webinar space, the things that I like to talk about. So the more people that I can get into my mail list who want to hear my words on those topics, the more money I make. So every day my number one goal is list building. How do I create more awareness? And then episodically, I have products that I launch against that, that having listened to my audience, uh, they're interested in purchasing. So that's really, at the end of the day, that's the Dottotech business model. Is well, and, and, community. Yeah, and you're offering value. Like, I mean, that's the yeah. thing. It's, so when, when it's, it's funny, uh, you know, because I struggled with this too, is the idea of, of okay, how do I build a business like you know about that different type of growth? Revenue growth is not. I mean, no one should really apologize for that as long as you're delivering value and listening to your community, like you said, because that's what they mm-hmm. want. I mean, there's no reason why you know. I mean, I, I you and I have had this discussion, and I've had this discussion with lots of different people. Uh, you know, pricing. Pricing is such a tricky thing, and I know we're diving a bit into the weeds here, but. You know, a lot of people. I'm very much a. I like to keep my product pricing fairly accessible to a lot of people. That's my model. Low. Yeah, right? I know. You're I know you believe low. that. That, but this is this is my model. Well, I know how and, hard you work, and I, I know what you put into it. I know, and and and, and there's a value that that you know, and this is, it's evolved over time. By the way, like you know, I used to charge like five dollars for eBooks, and now and now the lowest price is my my last ten dollar product is going to be the one that's going to go away within the next few months, and then all of a sudden the lowest product you'll have on my on my site is twenty nine or thirty nine dollars, which I think is is a it, I can reconcile. I feel good about that, but and that's it. You have to feel you yeah. have to feel that the value because. Otherwise, you can't aggressively promote it. Right. And and, and so it, the argument – and you and I have had this discussion before where, where I say, well, you know, and, and, and others have had this. Well, well I want to make sure everyone has access to this. I want to make, and, and you and I – I think you might have even said this to me. He's like, well, the blog is free. Your podcast is free. Like people can access that information for free if they want. Now, if they want to pay for it, they're going to get more. Uh, but if they don't, it's not like you're not giving anybody anything. And I think a lot of people, especially when they're first starting out, they get 
they start off with the with the free stuff and then they try to figure out how to charge. Pat Flynn's run into this issue. I know he has. He's gotten I mean, he's again talked to great people and he's built his I mean, I'm looking at his book Will It Fly right now. And I mean, you look at that book and he's got the book and then the accompanying course that goes with it and it's a huge value, but he also was the guy who was the smart passive income guy. So his stuff was all like, I'm not, I'm going to make the, my money generally, and I'm being very reductive here, uh, from people clicking on links and, and I getting, re, you know, affiliate and residual pay from it. So, you know, I think that the community part is so important. Um, but, but I want to uh, talk about when you were in television, you, you didn't have that direct engagement like you talked about. What, what would the Steve Dotto, who started back on television, what, how would you, how, if, if the internet and everything that existed right now was happening back then, what do you think you, what, what do you think you would have done? What do you think, would you have had the wherewithal to, to kind of have the, I guess the wisdom, I mean, wisdom comes with age anyways, but the, what would you have done? What would, what, what do you think would have been the, a, the outcome? That's a really good question because here's one of the things that having done 15 years of television gave me, which was an ego. Yeah. And, you know, and, 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 he, and it's a healthy form of ego where I was most concerned with my brand. Right. One of the, I just finished giving for the first time ever, and I think I'll be giving in Victoria next social media camp, a talk called ethical online marketing, mm-hmm. where I talk about the, the, the less than ethical practices that online marketers do. And the big tough point for me in coming into this space was getting comfortable with the fact that I was going to be an online marketer or, you know, an internet marketer. Now I call myself a content marketer and other things to make it. But the reason is that for me, my brand, my reputation online is the most important thing that I'm always going to protect. Consequently, that's one of the reasons that I talk about the unethical practices is I believe that the people who practice those uh, undermine the rest of us. And make it more difficult for the rest of us to prove sure. to get trust from our community. Because at the end of the day, your community, my community, they trust us. They like us. Yep. And the reason is because we honor them by we we protect our brand to their betterment. And so we would never take advantage. And that, you know, that make you know, having that commitment to constantly protecting your brand. I'm not sure if I would have had that if I'd started out at the beginning. Because when you're on TV, you know, my my ethics, my ethical ceiling on television, you know, when I was doing, you know, I always we always protected the brand. But we took money from people to show their product. I don't right. do that anymore. But that was the business model that I was in. Well, that's very much an affiliate model, which I don't really practice too much now. But that's pretty much the same sort of thing. And you're just looking for the ones that are going to make money. So I tend to think I probably would have been a little bit more of a you know a traditional online marketer. I, th- I think I would have still done well, probably financially, maybe even better. Uh, but, uh, I don't think, I'm not sure that I would have had, I'm not sure that I would have as I, w- I would be able to, to, uh, that my reputation would have been as high on the priority list at the point, at that point. Would that ego have probably colored your thoughts now where you said you don't want to have a huge team? Would you have wanted to, do you think you would have wanted to have a huge team and be like, or, or oh, has I that never really changed? 40s, I think in your 40s, you're all about growth, right? You, yeah, you, you yeah, know, yeah. The, the numbers make a difference. You know, the numbers don't make a difference to me now because I know that I can never, that I can always make more. 
right. and there's always somebody that's going to make more than me. Right. Uh, you know, that's so the being, you know, doing that kind of the race and, you know, measuring your success on those things. It's uh, I would have definitely been on that rat race for a while. <laughs> might have mm-hmm. worn me out and spit me out by now. How important is it for and this is a question for my audience, because uh, I know there's people out there that are struggling and fighting with, you know, I've, I've had conversations with people who are saying, oh, I've got these great ideas and I've got these great things and I've got this this model. How how. How do you, how tough is it for you, and what advice do you give to people who are kind of struggling with the the change with 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 changing from one position to another, trying to build their business, and then saying and having too many things that they're they're trying to and and so they're scattered as opposed to yeah. to, to focused. And 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 here's the you know it's it's finding a bellwether that you can actually measure whether or not your ideas are good because there are so many good ideas mm-hmm. out there. And, you know, things can be successful that I wouldn't think are going to be successful and things that I believe are absolutely going to be successful are an absolute failure. So, I mean, those those things are there. So here's a challenge that we have is when we are starting out and, you know, kind of reinventing ourselves is we've now got a, a group of people who talk to us and advise us uh, who we run our ideas by. They care about us for the most part. And so there's this balance between being encouraging and being honest. If you can find one or two really honest advisors, that's who you need to go with as far as making the decisions about what to go down. The best is if you can talk is if you can build community first. If you can determine the area that you want to be in, if you are in, in our space and you can build a community and then you can start listening to them, you're best off. But you know that that's one of the things that I kind of pride myself in is being mm-hmm. a bit of a dick. And 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 if you tell me an idea, and and I think it's stupid. What's the first thing I say to you? Oh, yeah, that's a stupid idea. <laughs> exactly. But then you have to defend it to me, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. And if you still believe in it after having me, you know, challenge you on it, well, then it, there's a much better chance it's going to be successful. Now, if I hear a great idea from you and I think it's a great idea, I'll steal it. I'll yeah. still tell you it's stupid. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but you know what's interesting? This brings up a great story that I was listening uh, when Gene Wilder uh, passed away and Mel Brooks yeah. was on The Tonight Show. I think it was on the Tonight Show or on, on Conan, and he was yeah. saying that there was the scene where put, it was putting on the Ritz. It was the putting on the Ritz yeah. scene from yeah, and Frankenstein. He didn't want it. He did, Gene, Gene Wilder, Gene Wilder, Wilder believed in it. Yet Mel Brooks says it's a stupid idea, and yeah. Gene Wilder had to convince him it was a good idea. And when he convinced him, and I don't even think he fully convinced him, he no, just he just he didn't think it was funny when he saw the rushes. He, no, <laughs> yeah, but he created a compelling enough argument that it, Mel was like, "All right, fine." And I think that that you're right. I think we don't get challenged enough. It, it, I think yeah. there's a lot of, um, which is which because we want us to be, be we want to be supportive, right? Right, right, right. That's the end of the day. People that care about you want to support you, but they don't necessarily know. And so that is the so so a that's one big challenge. The second one is the one that you talked about, which is the scatteredness mm-hmm. of trying too many things. So you know the the successful people can boil back down to you know if you think about just those the few goals that you have to have, it might be if you're a if you're a writer your goals are getting the the writing done which is a challenge for a writer you know getting that you know a chapter a day for that book taken care of, but at the same time as you're doing that you better be building a community because no publisher is going to be successful for you anymore for the most part right right you've got to build your own community so blogging. You know, finding a way to get your voice out there and finding a way to build a community so that you have a marketplace to sell to when it, when the time comes. The opportunities are boundless, but that means that 
distraction is one of the greatest enemies that we have. And distraction can be, you know, just can be granular as far as your workday, or it can be, you know, a much broader distraction of having too many irons in the fire at once. Right, right. Steve, this has been fantastic. Where can people find you and your work online so that way they can learn more about you and see some of the great stuff you've been putting out, you know, consistently for the past several years? Dottotech is the place at dottotech.com. Follow me at, at dottotech uh, on any of the social planets, uh, social networks, I mean. And uh, yeah, that's that's me. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks again for joining us this week on the show. And uh, thanks again, Steve. Really appreciate it. Have fun storming a castle. That about does it for this edition of the podcast. You can learn all about what we discussed and dive deeper into the weeds, productively, of course, by going to the show notes, which you can find uh, either at the blog or in iTunes or your podcast aggregator of choice. And don't forget to leave a ratings or review in iTunes or your podcast aggregator of choice as it helps people find the show. And honestly, I review those, so it'll help me make the show better. Thanks to Steve for joining me this week. Thanks to producer John Polstra for putting the show together. And thanks to all of you for listening. I'll be back next week with a bright and shiny new episode. But until then, this is Mike Vardy, host of the Productivityist podcast, reminding you to stop guessing and start going. 